I'm Jim Cameron, Jim Cameron Consulting, broadcasting from the Fountainhead, home of Synergy Billing, and I'm your host for Volusia Matters, news, interviews, and matters that impact Volusia County directly or indirectly. And now for the news. The legislature has two more weeks left in Tallahassee before they're scheduled to adjourn on March 8th. But the House and Senate have passed their respective $115.4 billion budget and a $115.9 billion budget. And the two chambers are close on many of the big issues, but there are a few differences remaining. Public schools both will provide a 2.5% per student increase. Medicaid spending both will provide $35 billion. And as for differences, the House wants to put an extra $630 million on top of $906 million included in both budgets for moving Florida Forward Transportation Plan to accelerate road projects. Now, both chambers, they, uh, they want to retire debt ahead of scheduled as recommended by the governor. And for Visit Florida, the House wants to spend $30 million while the Senate wants to spend $80 million. For Job Growth Grant Fund, the Senate wants to spend $75 million while the House wants to spend $25 million. So they'll be finishing up the budget next week. And meantime, legislators are moving forward with short-term rental vacation legislation that could impact property owners. Now, Senate Bill 280 has passed the Florida Senate and House version 1537 passed Commerce Committee last week with Representatives Webster, Barnaby, and Chase Tremont voting yes. So one next stop and onto the House floor. But upon approval, the state, the state would set rules and regulations for short-term rentals, thus removing cities and county the option to prohibit such rentals. And you might remember in 2021, Blusha County banned short-term rentals in unincorporated areas, and since then, some cities have created ordinances to control where vacation rentals are allowed and how long guests may book. And then next item, today the House is going to vote on House Bill 1195, which would impose a supermajority requirement for any city or county millage rate increase. Now, the Senate version, Senate Bill 1322, is to be heard in Appropriations Committee this week before it goes to the Senate floor. And proponents say local governments, yeah, they have the power to raise property taxes, but they should do so only if there is a clear consensus that it's absolutely necessary and they feel that requiring a supermajority vote would substantiate that. 
But uh, it was also noted that in 2018, voters approved a constitutional amendment requiring legislative two-thirds majority to raise any property taxes. So I'm guessing eh, this bill is going to pass. Next, at a recent press conference in Orlando, Governor DeSantis outlined his concerns and proposed measures to address homelessness. We are not going to let Florida become San Francisco. We're homeless are everywhere. You don't want the, the homeless intruding on quality of life, on public safety, and on businesses and the economy. And so that has got to be the firm line that you have. Would I be willing to help with things like mental health? I would be willing to do that uh, from the state level. He emphasized that Florida will not tolerate situations where public spaces become overrun by homeless encampments, drug use, and public safety concerns. And he argued that allowing homelessness to flourish unchecked does not help those in need, but rather exacerbates problems in the community. Public safety, quality of life for all Floridians without compromising on compassionate solutions. He outlined proposed legislation to prevent the proliferation of homeless camps and to restrict individuals from sleeping in public spaces. He highlighted support for state-level assistance, recognizing that homelessness often stems from deeper mental health issues that require attention and support. And still on that same topic of homelessness, you might remember last week the DeLand City Commission approved three ordinances to connect homeless individuals with programs and services like the Neighborhood Center, the bridge. And hearing that, Ormond Beach Mayor Bill Partington has requested a workshop so their city can pursue a similar game plan. Now, those to land ordinances approved last week would make it illegal to camp on public property and it would prohibit storing personal items on public property and limit a person's right to sit or sleep in a sidewalk or alleyway. Any violators, they would have the option to go to the DeLand shelter, the, the bridge, or if they refused, then they'd go to jail. But it's their choice. But uh, Ormond commissioners, they've received similar complaints, same type as DeLand. But uh, however, Ormond has been a proactive member, and I want to stress that. Ormond has been a proactive member of First Step Shelter Mayor Partington said the homeless ordinances are meant to encourage compliance and encourage people to get connected with services. Partington said he discussed these measures with the land mayor, Chris Cloudman, who pointed out the neighborhood center also supported their measures last week. So I'll let you know as to when that workshop happens. Next item. This past month, City of Edgewater welcomed five new businesses, and they're looking for more. And for more information about starting the business in Edgewater, 
Call Economic Development Director Samantha Bergeron at 424-2400, extension 7201. And, and also, uh, you might remember in May of 2023, Edgewater City Hall invited citizens and stakeholders to provide feedback on current concerns and future direction of the city. And uh, that survey's primary focus was on land development and community spaces and streets. But now a second survey in the process is asking citizens, stakeholders for feedback regarding the city's community assets, opportunities, and dealing with the community's identity. And to take that survey, go to City of Edgewater's website and return it by this Friday, March 1st. Next item, Monday night, City of New Smyrna Beach hosted a State of the City event where nearly 500 attendees heard Mayor Fred Cleveland stress the importance of clear and timely communications. He also applauded upgraded infrastructure projects in addition to drainage canals to help manage stormwater. And I'm sure everybody remembers those floods that happened in New Smyrna from Hurricane Ian. Also noted was the city's assistance with homeless individuals. Have they been a member of First Step Shelter Board? Next item. Last September, you might remember that Congress approved a two-step set of deadlines to fund federal government. Now, that first deadline is March 1st. So, Congress only has three days this week to pass four appropriations bills totaling $1.7 trillion to fund the government and to prevent a partial government shutdown. Again, that could happen this Friday. Now, negotiations are ongoing and lawmakers are working to address provisions that can impact federal agencies' ability to address specific issues. Now, you might know that at the same time you've heard there's been some unresolved tensions between House and Senate, Democrat-Republicans, regarding that recent foreign aid bill that involved Ukraine, Israel, and southern border security. And this could mean numerous House Republicans opposing a final spending deal with Republicans holding a slim, and I believe it's 216 to 211 majority, Democrat votes might be needed to avoid government shutdown. After that, there's the full government shutdown deadline, number two, that's to fund eight additional government agencies, and that's set to expire March 8th. And another note, uh, President Biden's proposed budget is due out March 11th, initiating the fiscal 2025 spending debate. So, in summary, Congress faces a uh, tight timeline to reach an agreement on federal spending. Negotiations ongoing. The stakes are high. And it seems like lawmakers are working diligently to avoid a shutdown or further delays. 
Also in Washington, last week, Senator Marco Rubio warned of a hypothetical cyber attack that could make last week's cell phone outage seem minuscule. Senator Rubio stated higher number of people would be affected by a cyber attack from China if they ever decided to invade Taiwan. He said they will hit power, water, and banks, thus emphasizing the importance of hardening our cyber infrastructure. He also pointed out that there's talk of another threat that involved a space-based weapon targeting U.S. civilian and military satellites and with the United States, Russia, and China working to advance space weapons, it now shows the importance of the U.S. Space Force. And next is our interview with Orange City Mayor Gary Blair. Okay, today we have with us Orange City Mayor Gary Blair. Glad to have you with us, Gary. Great to be here. All righty, fantastic. Mayor, recently the governor held a press conference at Blue Springs State Park. And, uh, and, I, and I certainly appreciate you being there that day. But upon leaving after the conference, I saw hundreds of visitors coming into the park to see manatees. So it, I didn't know it, but is, is Blue Springs that big of a draw? Yes, sir, it is. We, wow. get, we get over 600,000 visitors a year to Blue Springs State Park. Wow. And the majority, a lot of those people come to see the manatees, obviously. I mean, I just, I mean, because it was, thank goodness, we got there early for that press conference. But upon leaving, uh, the lines to get into the park, I'd, I would dare say stretch for about a mile. They do. And that happens when the manatees are here. Uh, we're working with the state park. We're kind of encouraging them to put in some more parking so they get off of uh, West French Avenue. And that way people can access. There's a little boat ramp down at the end of the river there. And uh, so so we're, we're trying to get them. We're working with them to uh, put in additional parking and uh, a loop to get the people off the road. I would agree. I would agree. Definitely more parking is needed, though. And uh, but uh, hey, of those visitors, do y'all uh, y'all get many of those visitors patronizing Orange City businesses? We do, we do, uh, and I know some of our local businesses also uh, support Blue Springs State Park. Uh, up until recently, I was involved with the Friends of Blue Springs State Park uh, on their board of directors, but I got so doggone busy, I had to let that go for a while. But once my term ends, I will uh, rejoin them and. I know we have uh, Riverwalk uh, Brewery and Pizza Place. They, they're big supporters. A lot of people stop at our businesses to gas up, to, to get food and do a little shopping while they're here. And uh, we appreciate that. It's, uh, it's quite a draw, actually. 
I was most impressed in, I mean, seeing all those people over there, though. But uh, and, and I also I was glad to see the governor here uh, supporting things that are dear to my heart. You know, we are in the heart of the Blue Spring Basin here. Yep. And, and some of these uh, initiatives uh, like nitrate uh, nutrient reduction uh, in the spring will, you know, it helps us here in, Blue, in, in uh, Orange City and it will it greatly help helps the springs. And we've been doing so. I guess I'll talk more about it in infrastructure, but what we're doing to help clean up the the uh, Blue Spring Basin. Well, and let's shift into infrastructure, though. How is the situation with Orange City infrastructure? Well, I think we're doing really good. Uh, we've got lots of projects going on. You know, you can never rest. Um, we've got we've been looping our water system, uh, and what happens when you loop your water system is it it keeps the water moving in a, a motion to where it never uh, stays stagnant. For example, say at the end of a dead end street, you got a bunch of snowbirds living there and they don't you know, come down all summer. Well, the water goes to the end of those lines and stagnates because it's not moving around. So uh, we're looping everything so it's in continual uh, motion so that the bacteria and things don't uh, build up. Uh, we've also, we're working on our septic to sewer. Uh, yeah. As I said, we're in the Blue Spring Basin and the state wants us within 20 years to convert all septics to sewer. Uh, we've done uh, the corridor along South Holly Avenue and North Holly Avenue, which is the heart of the city up here where City Hall is. And just recently, we've expanded over to the other side of 1792. And not only is this environmentally sound, but it's also, uh, it's good for business because people with those little buildings in the old homes on the other side or, you know, down 1792 can put in little restaurants and coffee shops and things of that nature. So, uh, yeah, and we got other other projects too. Like I mentioned, the, the Holly Avenue septic to sewer. We also did a streetscape uh, there. Uh, we're doing a facility study right now. Uh, as you may know or may not know, uh, our buildings in Orange City are very old, okay? And they're way outdated. So we're doing a facility study. We formed an ad hoc committee uh, of citizens to help guide us through this process, you know, we need to replace our public works department, our fire police uh, administration buildings, the whole gamut. I mean, it's uh, it's something that is long overdue and I'm, I'm proud that our city's taken this on to, to do this. We're also installing green sand filters at our main water plant to help clean the water somewhat. Uh, on industrial drive, which is the area by the post office is prone to flooding. So we're uh, doing a project in there to eliminate that flooding and uh, pump it uphill over to a, a holding pond that we're gonna expand on city property. On Graves, East Graves Avenue, we also have some flooding uh, down by John Knox Village. There's a lake down there. And when we get the hurricanes and uh, severe weather events, it's almost lapping over the road. So what we wanna do is raise the road two or three feet and uh, eliminate that threat. Uh, Kentucky Avenue, which is on the east side of Orange City, was a private road and it was owned by several different entities. 
And so we've recently uh, taken possession of that. We, the city led the charge to get everyone together uh, and to give that uh, roadway to the city. We were having problems with, uh, you know, little holes forming and things like that, that uh, was a hindrance to our uh, emergency services getting down there. And so we've done that. Uh, we're doing a roadway study to see what uh, the roads in the city most need repair. We've recently bought the borough pit, which you may have noticed as you were going out to Blue Springs State Park on the left. I did. It's an abandoned borough pit. And yep. several years ago, we tried to uh, collaborate with St. John's River Water Management District, the county, Deltona, DLAN, some other entities to buy the pit, but it didn't quite perk as much as the group wanted it to. So for stormwater reasons. So we as a city have gone and bought that and we've closed on it and taken possession of it. So when we, for example, we pump uh, stormwater from Mill Lake, which I don't know if you've ever seen our Mill Lake. It's a beautiful park. It's a mile walk around it. But that park was, uh, before it was a park, the state owned it. And back in the 1960s, when uh, the state expanded 1792 to a four-lane road, they needed somewhere to put the stormwater. So they acquired Mill Lake and the properties around it. Uh, back when I got on the city council in 1998, I would walk my dog. There were some slits in the fence there, and I'd walk my dog around it. And I'd always say, wow, this would make such a beautiful park. So we, every time we get a new city manager, new city council, I've pushed it and pushed it and pushed it till it finally came to fruition and something that we're very proud of. So the water that comes off of 1792 goes into Mill Lake and we were pumping it down to Blue Springs State Park where it would run off into the St. Johns River. Well, we've eliminated that now and we're pumping it right into our borough pit. And one of the advantages for the city for that is that uh, when the storm events come and the hurricanes, uh, St. John's uh, Water Management uh, River District uh, does not tell, they can't tell us to stop. We can keep pumping out of our lake and then avoid having some of our neighborhoods over there uh, flood out. So yeah, I like that. Lots of stuff going on in Orange City. We we're <laughs> we're like the Rolling Stone, you know. The moss doesn't grow under us over here. <laughs> well, Gary, you mentioned you know, like say water, and I know that y'all have teamed up with the county and the land and Deltona. Like it's what is it, West Volusia Water Authority? How's that working out? Well, that works. It's working out okay. You know, as you know, it's hard to get different government entities together. Uh, many years ago, we had did an interconnect with all the different cities around us uh, in case in the future, uh, we need to pump water to somewhere else or someone needs to pump water to us. Uh, so yeah, that, that's working out just fine for right now. It's not a real active uh, group, but uh, it's there for if and when we need it in the future. Let me ask you, legislature, they're in their six weeks, uh, going into seventh week, I believe it is. Any particular issues that Orange City is looking at up there, legislature? Yeah, I went up there a few weeks ago, and uh, 
petition, my uh, legislators. Uh, we have three specific things that we're asking for that uh, we want to see on the appropriations list. And one is the uh, public works, our public works building, then, and then our police and fire buildings. Uh, but we're also watching other things, uh, such as the repeal of the local business tax, which we feel will hurt Orange City uh, for a number of reasons. And that's uh, Senate Bill 1144 and House Bill 609. And uh, not only does it uh, eliminate revenue from uh, for us, uh, but it also, we won't know where businesses are. So for example, you may have a paint shop next door to uh, someone who fills helium balloons or uh, you know, hazardous uh, conditions like that. And without this uh, business tax uh, BTR, we, we won't know where the businesses are within our city. And, and so that, that's, that's a real big problem to me. It's not only a revenue uh, source, but it's also a safety issue for our uh, residents. We're also keeping our eye on the uh, Municipal uh, Utilities Enterprise Fund transfer. Uh, it doesn't affect us all that much. That's Senate Bill uh, 1510 and House Bill 1277. So we're watching that. Like I say, uh, it's minimal, the impact on Orange City. Uh, we're keeping our eye on the sovereign immunity bills, H Bill uh, HB. 1195 and Senate Bill 1080, uh, which creates unreasonable limits. And it's basically a, a handout to uh, the trial lawyers to, so they can make more money. Uh, we do support the mobility fees, HB 479 and SB 688. It kind of clarifies the law. And uh, the ratification of uh, state stormwater rule we're in favor of that, and that's uh, Senate Bill uh, 7040, and I'm sure I'm not sure of the House bill on that one. Okay. So, yeah, we're watching yeah. things, and like I said, I was up there a few weeks ago, uh, you know, beating the trail, trying to get in and talk to everybody and uh, let them know where we stand down here in Orange City. And you have to do that. You have to do that. So that's Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you make good... Uh, uh, it's good for networking. You know, I've, uh, I've actually, you know, become good friends with, you know, I don't know if friends is the right word, but, uh, we have a good relationship, Stan McLean, uh, who's our state rep. And then Tom Wright, I've been, you know, good with him for a long time. Yep. And, uh, the thing is like with our, uh, you know, our asks for our appropriations, like last year we had two things, uh, that were there for our police department and fire department. And when I went up there, everybody said, oh, these are looking really good. You really don't have a lot to worry about, except if the governor doesn't sign it. <laughs> and guess what happened? The governor didn't sign it there. I think there was some rift between him and maybe our local legislators. And uh, he just line item vetoed it. And so here we are again trying to uh, get these things back. Well, good luck with you on this session and everything, though. But uh... But uh, Gary, listen, wanted to ask uh, closing comments, anything you want to share with us, closing comments? Oh, not really. You know, it's uh, Orange City is a wonderful place. You know, I've served over here since 1998. I took a two-year hiatus in the middle. I remember. Uh, I've been uh, uh, mayor for the last seven years. I plan to 
retire from it. And as you know, I'm a school teacher also. So I planned on uh, finishing my term and then uh, finishing the school year next year. And then I plan on uh, fixing up my boat and doing the Great Loop and uh, just kind of getting away and traveling and doing what uh, retired people do, go visit my granddaughter out in Oklahoma and those sort of things. But mm -hmm. Orange City is a great place. I'm very proud of our city. Uh, I'm proud of our administration, our staff, our citizens, everyone. We have great events throughout the year. You know, we have a great holiday celebration around Christmas time. We do our uh, Halloween block party this Saturday. Uh, we're having the multicultural festival at Mill Lake Park. Uh, and, and we our 4th of July event is always huge out at Valentine Park. And uh, all this couldn't be done if we didn't have a good city council, but as important is our staff. We have a wonderful staff all the way from the city manager on down to, you know, the people that dig the holes and uh, everybody who lives and works here, loves Orange City as I do. And I appreciate you letting me come on today to brag a little bit and talk about my city somewhat. And I'm gonna have you back on sometime in the future and you tell Dale that I said hello. I certainly will. So, thank you so much, Gary. Okay, thanks again. Have a great weekend. All right, you too. Okay, bye now. And to finish up, look for a new podcast episode to be released next week, and the views expressed on this podcast may or may not necessarily express the opinions of Jim Cameron Consulting. And for more news, check out my newsletter, which is going to be emailed this Friday. And if you're not receiving it, Call me at 566-2140 and my $1,000 guarantee still stands. And with the speed weeks that we had last week and the visitors we had, and then we got bike week starting up this Friday going from March 1st to the 10th, uh, looking for more visitors. But uh, I want to remind everybody locally that if you're out at any restaurant or cafe or so, or if you see a delivery person, if you got that extra dollar, tip those folks. These are the hardworking folks, and these are the folks that are often working two or three jobs just to make ends meet because they don't qualify for government programs. Many of them don't. A lot of them, they got kids to feed and clothe and all, and, uh, and they're paying taxes themselves. So uh, if you can tip those folks an extra dollar or two. This is Jim Cameron signing off saying God bless and roll tide.